St James Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our online Zoom service held on Sunday, April the 18th, 2021. To join us online or for more information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. everybody this morning welcome welcome to our service thank you so much for coming thank you for coming from near and far and wide and 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 across the the land a special warm welcome this morning to dave tomlinson reverend dave tomlinson who has joined us to uh, give us our offer for us a reflection this morning and it's been great to find that uh, i can't quite believe we have dave with us because I'm sure that most of us, or many of us anyway, have a copy of his first book. I think it was his first. Was it your first, Dave? Yeah, he's nodding. <laughs> um, his first book, uh, the, the Post-Evangelical by Dave Tomlinson. Ours is, is dated 1996 and uh, has been a, an incredibly life-changing book and affirming book for so many people for so many years so thank you for that and i know you've written many other books since then uh, dave and so do look those up if you have an opportunity uh, dave at the moment is in somerset he is in his holy shed um but he also has a life in london he's a a, a team part of a team who works in St. Leonard's in Streatham, part of the team there, um, which is also like us, an inclusive church and an eco church. And he is also the chaplain for St. Ethelberger's Centre. And I'll just read to you what's on on their, um, on St. Ethelberger's Centre's website, because I think it's so inspirational. St. Ethelberger Centre for Peace and Reconciliation builds community resilience for times of ecological and social emergency through practical collaborative action. We hold a vision for a world based on compassion and interdependence. What a great message to us all and how encouraging to know that work like that is going on. So it's great to have you with us. And we now have a, a moment of silence Uh, while we prepare ourselves to worship God. Friend and stranger, welcome in the name of Jesus. We We gather gather together. together putting Putting our our trust trust in in the grace grace and and mercy mercy of God. God. Amen. Amen. Here to be 
to listen to God speaking to each one of us in our heart this morning. God, your light has flooded the world. But we have turned away in darkness. God, you have lifted up your son that we might be forgiven. But we have turned away, preferring self above all else. God, you have offered us eternal life. But we have turned away, preferring earthly pleasure. Forgive us. We do not turn away any longer. We lift our faces to seek your light. We lift our eyes to see your Son. And we lift our hearts to live in you forever. Amen. The Gospel reading today is taken from Luke chapter 24 reading from verses 13 to 35. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Now on that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels 
who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Give thanks to the Lord for his glorious gospel. Praise, Praise to Christ, Christ our Lord. Lord. Great. Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's wonderful to be with you uh, today for your service, to be in your in your living rooms, really. And um, I'm very impressed with uh, a church that has Leonard Cohen on before we begin. I thought the playlist was absolutely wonderful, Rosie. And I'm grateful for the invitation to be here from Jeffrey and uh, my old friend, Pal, for arranging it. Now, you know, while in prison during the Second World War, awaiting execution by the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously asked, who is Jesus Christ for us today? It's a question that's certainly preoccupied me for years now, and one that's raised by today's Gospel reading, which, along with the whole <clears throat> montage of resurrection accounts in the Gospels, suggests that the answer may not be as straightforward as we think. It's definitely clear to me that resurrection is not the same as the resuscitation of a corpse, as if an already decomposing body suddenly twitches into life, as it were, before, begins breathing, stands upright, walks out of the tomb and carries on living for 40 days. The accounts, I think, are more complex and confusing than this. For example, Jesus walked through walls was unrecognisable to close friends, disappeared before people's eyes. Um, definitely not bodily in any sense that we understand it. And yet he also barbecued, for all we know, caught first the fish that he barbecued, uh, and he invited Thomas to touch his wounds. And then there's today's wonderful and puzzling narrative about these two disciples engaging in deep conversation with him on a seven mile hike, a conversation about him, by the way, whilst spectacularly failing to recognize him until he blessed the bread at supper, after which he again mysteriously disappeared. Uh, 
I wonder if uh, you you ever wonder where he hung out between his appearances, by the way, just a pesky thought. Uh, when people ask me, do you believe in Christ's bodily resurrection, usually as a way of trying to find out definitely whether I'm a heretic or not, they mostly seem to mean, do I believe in resuscitation, which, which I don't. But to me, all of that argument misses the point. You see, I don't care how literally or otherwise anybody sees the resurrection. The fact is, something incredible happened, which transformed the disciples and powerfully impacted millions of lives through the centuries, including mine. As uh, Clarence Jordan, who's a farmer and also rather wonderfully a New Testament Greek scholar, as he wonderfully puts it, the proof God raised Jesus from the dead is not an empty tomb, but the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence, he says, that Christ lives is a spirit-filled community, to which I certainly say a huge amen. The paradox, irony, and ambiguity in the stories of Christ's resurrection reflect the dual reality which the disciples had to grapple with, that of presence and absence, continuity and discontinuity, discovery and loss. Jesus, as they'd known him, was gone, was unrecoverable. And yet, and yet, he was also alive to them. What could this mean? Who or what was this living reality? And where would it appear next? Who is Christ for us today? The Filipino artist Emmanuel Garibay pursues this line of inquiry in his art. And crucial to his quest as a Filipino is the problem as he understood it, of a Christ figure that had for a long time been deeply embroiled in Spanish colonialism in the Philippines, and more recently with North American consumerism, a different form of colonialism. Garibay finds this troubling and asks who Jesus really is for Filipinos, and how can he be saved from the baggage loaded upon him by history and religious culture? Many of Garibay's paintings wrestle with this issue, but none more clearly or better than his depiction of the supper at Emmaus. Luke's story toys brilliantly with the problem of over-familiarity with a particular image or notion of who Jesus is. It seems to say that whenever we think we have understood who Christ is, we're already missing his presence elsewhere in a person or place we least expect to find him. In the resurrection, Christ is liberated from his original body and released upon the world as a cosmic presence in myriad forms and manifestations. We're probably constantly encountering Christ in our world without necessarily realizing it. I'd like to uh, show you a picture at this point. So I'm going to um, share my screen with you. Um, and this is, uh, am I there? Yes, there we go. This is uh, Garibay's picture of the uh, supper at Emmaus. And as you'll see, he portrays Jesus in the form of a woman in a red cafe dress with stigmata, just in case you miss which one she is. In Filipino culture, the dress is provo provocative, Garibay says, revealing the upper part of her body perhaps marking her as a woman of ill repute, which 
uh, would be completely appropriate, of course, for Jesus, who often ate and drank with prostitutes and so-called sinners who he considered friends. Uh, the disciples in the picture are laughing hilariously. They get the joke. It's on them. They had marvelously missed what was right before their eyes. I should confess that I too fell headlong into the artist's trap when I first saw this painting. I turned to a friend and said, I love this picture, but I still haven't quite worked out which one is Jesus. My friend smugly responded, well, the woman's got holes in her hands. We laughed out loud, just as the figures in the picture. And this time, the joke was on me, Mr. Liberally Minded would-be feminist Dave Tomlinson, who clearly still has more blind spots than he thinks. Emmanuel Garibay uh, brilliantly encapsulates the core meaning, I think, of Luke's magnificent story. People are stuck with the image of a first century man from Palestine, the artist says. The woman in the picture, in true Filipino style, is drinking and eating and telling a joke and everybody's laughing. But the real joke is that people are laughing because they thought all along that Jesus was necessarily a man, a Caucasian looking guy. All these conventional concepts about Jesus, Garibay says. And incidentally, uh, the, um, the picture <clears throat> Uh, that you have on your service sheets is, of course, Caravaggio's marvellous picture of this scene. And uh, it's been commented that Garibay's is actually uh, a kind of remake of Caravaggio's. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells a parable in which the Son of Man is similarly concealed so that we fail to realise that the hungry person before us or the stranger needing a welcome or the sick person requiring care is Christ himself insofar as you did it to them, you did it to me, he says. And correspondingly, in neglecting these people, he says that we neglect Christ too. This uh, indivisible interweaving of Christ with people at the edges of society or in the margins of our vision radically challenges notions of who Christ is and where Christ might be found in our world. I don't know if you've heard of Joe Clifford, she is a transsexual female actress and writer who produced a startling piece of theater a few years back called The Gospel According to Jesus, Queen of Heaven, which imagines Jesus as a trans woman in our, in our world. And Joe Clifford says that as a person who has suffered a lot of prejudice, a lot of discrimination and abuse, she's turning to this story to assert the value of trans people actually of all people, but especially those who are marginalized and um, who are discarded or abused within society. She says, I've internalized a lot of really bad things about who I am. So this play is an act of resistance to prejudice, to close minds and to all those people who call themselves Christians, but use their religion as a cloak for other prejudices. You know, when I prepared the funeral of Carol, a 45-year-old woman, all I knew was that she had forsaken the respectable life of her parents in Middle England and ended up uh, a drug addict in London. I was told the congregation would only consist of her parents and one other relative. But when I arrived at the crematorium, 
I found 30 or 40 people standing a little way from the building, chatting and rolling cigarettes. Speaking with them, I discovered, of course, that they were Carol's friends. Within a few minutes, I had a completely different picture of this woman and a quite different story to tell. Almost all of the group were volunteer workers in charity shops in North London, a ragtag bunch of, of goths and punks. One after another, they eulogized Carol. One man in his early thirties with spiky black hair, a very tattooed face and countless studs and earrings said, most of us have problems, man, but Carol was like a mother to us. She gathered us in and looked after us. Another man who I discovered was a shop manager asked if uh, he could speak in the service where he talked movingly of Carol's maternal qualities. The charity shops are our family, he said. A lot of us have mental health issues, but we found a community where we belong. Carol loved a drink and she was always the last one drink dancing at 4 a.m. But she was the heartbeat of this family. She looked after everyone. Carol's parents were mild-mannered middle-class folk and I wondered how they would react to the funeral of their prodigal being gate-crashed by a bunch of uh, apparent dropouts and misfits. The couple thought they knew who their daughter was, a flaky waster, a drug addict and an alcoholic. But now they heard about a completely different woman. I wish I could meet her now, her mother told me afterwards. We had no idea what a wonderful person she'd become or that she was part of such a loving family. Carol's name will not appear in any list of saints. And yet I drove home that day feeling I had buried a broken Christ figure. Personally, I have no difficulty acknowledging Christ in a trans woman or a damaged shepherd to a flock of walking wounded. But I wonder where my prejudices do obscure even the possibility of finding Christ. In a politician I neither elected nor wanted. In a fundamentalist Christian who thinks I'm a heretic. Oh hey, in a Man United player who scores a winning goal against Liverpool. Now that really is hard. <laughs> Knowing Christ in today's world is a challenging journey, not a one-off event. So I discover, but how about you? Where might the edges of your vision of Christ lie? Who is Jesus Christ for us today? Amen. We're gonna now just um, come before God and bring our thoughts to him in some prayer reflection And I light um, some candles just to help us to focus. And you may want to close your eyes. You may want to move to another part of the room. Completely, however you feel, totally relaxed. You may want to even switch off from this altogether and just reflect on what Dave has been saying and the thoughts that he's brought to us, the insight. You may want to just um, feel that you need space to do that now and not participate in this. However you feel comfortable, Christ is there with you. 
this morning. And as I take this candle, the first one, and I light it, reminds us of Yesu, of Isa, the Satguru, the Christ who comes and reveals himself to us. who shows us that he is the way of love. This Yesu, this Isa, this Satguruji, he reveals himself in so many different ways to people in our communities, in our homes, in our, in our life day by day the one who came and their eyes were open. But on this journey, we may see that our eyes will be open in places that we haven't even looked before. See him. This Yesu walked alongside those who were the doubters, those who lost hope, those who felt that they had given up on life. And this Christ comes. This morning, just take time maybe to think of your family and friends, those that you journey with, those that you walk with day by day. Give thanks to God for them. And how you see Christ in them. Some you haven't walked with them for a, a long time. Some you see on a regular basis. Some because of the pandemic, it's been such a long time. In your hearts this morning, pray for them. For those who are even in those places of doubt, those who feel that they need hope again. Our Ruah, Spirit of Christ, who comes and reveals, who shows us Christ in different places, on different parts of our journey. And we pray this morning for those that they would see that Christ is also in nature where he reveals and shows himself as the one who wants to redeem creation. We pray for those who are working at the environment and those who are in positions of um, leadership and responsibility to deal with climate change and the decisions that are made. That it is Christ in creation that we see, his image being restored as people see him there, and all that is being marred will be restored. This Yesu, this Christ, this Lord, reveals himself as the one who is the father, the mother, 
who provides for us and for those in our communities. And we pray especially for those during this hardship and this time who need to see Jesus, need to see Yesu where they are. Those who are facing unemployment at this moment, uncertain of the future. May that Christ in all his different forms make himself real to them at this time and know how they feel. Pray for those that are supporting and working with those on the margins, those who are vulnerable, those who seek to support and provide through the food banks here in Edinburgh and in Scotland and other parts of the UK, those who are serving as much as you've done it, you've done it unto me, feeding Christ and seeing Jesus in the face of others. Pray for those who are working with the homeless, for Bethany Christian Trust, we pray for the Cyrenians, for Fair Share, for Social Bite, and others, those who are working with the refugees, the asylum seekers, those who are new to this city, that we would see Christ in them. And that our eyes would be opened and we would have that revelation. And may this Christ walk with us day by day. And may we see him in different people and places and through creation and know his shalom, his shanti, his peace in the mandar of our hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can everybody hear me to use the Zoom pro protocol? <laughs> yes, excellent, thank you. Um, I, I found this song by going to Google and just Googling songs about the road to Emmaus and this was the first one that came up. Um, it's actually a, a really fun song, it's by a vocal group called uh, The Gathers, who some of you may have heard of. Um, and the chorus is printed on, on the, the last page of the service sheet. Um, it's got a couple of verses in the chorus, so I'll, I'll sing the chorus through to you and then I'll sing it again and if you'd like to join in. Um, one of the beauties of each, each of us being in our own uh, acoustically sealed capsule via Zoom is that you can basically sing whatever you want and it's going to sound great. <laughs> so. Just a few hours after the sunrise On that resurrection day Two men from Emmaus Walked and talked along their way When all of a sudden From out of nowhere Came a one that 
Thanksgiving and the followed by the blessing <laughs> together give thanks to our gracious God mercy on our heads and on our houses the blessing of God in our coming and going the peace of God in our life and believing the love of God at our end and our new beginning the arms of God to welcome us and bring us Walking and talking on the road to Emmaus. Walking and talking. 